KG, and this is not safe for network. There's nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. What's in the box? What's in the box? Montucky Skies. Hey, welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Oh, doing all right. I just sat down with my uh, trusty phone out of reach. <laughs> Speaking of phones, uh, I smashed my phone by accident. It was the dumbest thing. I had it on the edge of a on my bathroom counter in the morning and had my dog dish by there. And so I was trying to fill it with water while I was sitting on the toilet. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> it knocked, sounds like disaster. Yeah. I knocked the phone off and it hit the hit the uh the linoleum and I didn't even think about it because like it's hit the linoleum so many times that like <laughs> I never even thought it could have broken. It just shattered the glass. Like I fucked up my finger a tiny bit, like going to pick it up. And so I was dealing with a broken phone for a couple of days and then I got a replacement and the replacement didn't work, but I had like gotten it with like better everything. And, uh, and so it was a real bummer when the phone didn't work. So I went to replace it this morning and they didn't have any more of the model. So I had to pay $20 more for an inferior camera and it, like a smaller screen size and i was like damn it and it's better in every th- this one i have now is better in every way than the one that i had but it was still it's not as good as the one that i spent a day with so i'm always gonna hate this phone <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a real first world problem you know? yeah shit i just replaced my phone last week too I, uh, about two weeks ago, like my phone just like started going just terrible. Like it would just drain battery. Like I could watch like the meter countdown, like 75, 74, like two minutes later, 35, 34. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I went on eBay and got a new phone, had it like. Paid an extra $10, had it, like, shipped two-day air, and got it. And then, like, I figured out, like, the part of my old battery problem was I had a AVG antivirus on it. Oh. And it was just eating the battery. Oh, jeez. So I disabled that, and it was, like, working sort of back to normal. So I just kind of took the new one and put it on the shelf for a week. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to move into my new phone. Like, took me the entire weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I spent all day sitting on my phone and discovered that somebody had hacked into my Spotify account and turned it in a family account and then added five new email addresses to it. So I went and fixed that today. And then on top of that, I thought, I think somebody had like hacked into my Facebook because it was, it connected through the Facebook account. So I had to go and change the password for the Facebook account and the email that's like the email account that's <laughs> like on top of the Facebook account. Just a fucking nightmare. And I think that's all that I have that's linked to the, the, uh, the email account now, but I'm not sure because I don't use that email account very much anymore. I keep meaning to move everything off of it and I've moved most of it, but not all of it. So I'm hoping that this nightmare has come to a close, but not really going to know until something else gets fucked up. I'm sure. But yeah, the one thing that was nice about this is cause it's the exact same model I had before. Oh, so I had, there's a program from HD HTC where you can basically just clone your phone. That's nice. So I just like, and it like sets up its own little Wi-Fi network and just like transfers everything over. Yeah, part of my problem was I couldn't see certain things on the about for the phone <laughs> because the lower third was all like black on the screen when it was broken. So, but enough talk about phones. Let's get into to some news. So, I was telling you on the porch, the news goes all over the place today. Like it is fucking scattershot. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a varied uh, podcast tonight, but. 
First thing I wanted to do was talk about I Love You, America. Have you heard about this show? It's Sarah Silverman's new show on Hulu. I have not heard of this show. So as of recording, there's two episodes up, and I watched both of them. It's really good. The The whole premise is that Sarah Silverman uh, is within a... a uh, like she admits she's got a bubble of like very liberal people. And so she's trying to get out of her bubble. And so she goes and meets with people that she doesn't agree with on things and, and tries to like find common ground and kind of film some stuff with that. And then anytime things get uncomfortable, she has a white guy behind a desk as if it's like a talk show or something that they like cut to. (laughs) (laughs) So it like, it kind of plays with that form too. But it was really fun. Like the first episode, there's a couple of nudists in in the audience because she wanted to show that uh, it's streaming so they can kind of do what they want. And so there's like a dude who's like, like his balls are like sticking to the side of his leg and stuff. <laughs> like it's, it's like the him and the woman, there's no way like you would ever look at it as a sexual thing at all when you're watching it, which she's also commenting on. But it was really neat. Uh, it was cool hearing her talking to this this family that supported Trump because they didn't you know they they go in like clearly not agreeing on on Trump but then as they talk they start to find common ground like one of the things is uh she starts talking about gay marriage and like almost all of them are like yeah it's fine like you know people do what they want and there's one guy's like well I'm not really for it and they kind of push him a little bit and it turns out he's not really that far off of everybody else either and it's just interesting because it it reminds you that no matter how divisive things get, we do have things in common, you know. Um, I, I just really like the feel of the show. I thought it was really fun. And it's Sarah Silverman, so it's dirty as all hell, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. And that's where she really shines, too. So I enjoyed it. I, I definitely say check that one out. What uh, platform is that on? Hulu. All right. And so they do it week by week. So there's two episodes up right now. But um so yeah, that one's good. Uh something else that I checked out that was on Hulu. So they put up a documentary called Too Funny to Fail: The Life and Death of the Dana Carvey Show. Did you ever see the Dana Carvey show when it was on? It was like 96, I think I they feel said. like I did, but I don't remember any of it. Okay, so it was super interesting. Um <laughs> the the first thing is like the cast of the show and the writers it was put together by dana carvey and robert smigel so like i'm sure you know who robert yeah. smigel is but for people not in the know he was a writer for saturday night live before the dana carvey show and after the dana carvey show because it only lasted like they filmed eight it only went up for seven episodes and um uh, <clears throat> They were trying to do like alternative comedy, but Robert Smigel's probably most famous for doing the voice of Triumph, the insult comic dog. And he's just like in a lot of stuff. He did the ambiguously gay duo, which I found out was like it started out on the Dana Carvey show. And they, they even had the very first sketch was one that got cut from the Dana Carvey show on, on that last episode. So they, they rehashed it for Saturday night live and just kept making them. And, uh, so the cast was fucking phenomenal for that show. I had no idea. So not only is it Robert Smigel and Dana Carvey, Louis C.K. was one of the head writers on it. Steve Carell was... Steve Carell. Stephen Colbert. Um, it's just like an incredible amount of talent for that show, you know? And uh, it was Stephen Carell and, and uh, Stephen Colbert's first like professional gig. Like They were doing the Groundlings at the time. And I guess Steve Carell was a big hit. And then like his, they went to go see Steve Carell because they kept hearing that they had to get him for the show. And they saw Stephen Colbert instead because he was Steve Carell's understudy. <laughs> and so they're like, this guy's great. And so they brought him in and then they saw Steve Carell and they were like, this guy's great too. So they brought him in and uh, they were just like filled with stars in their eyes and everything and wonderment. And I guess Dana Carvey was the only one who had any clue that this might not work because <laughs> <laughs> he was just riding so high from Saturday Night Live and everybody expected him just to do his impressions from Saturday Night Live. But instead they did shit like, uh, and I've seen the first episode before. That was the only one I had seen. But it's kind of unsettling because it's like he does a Bill Clinton impression 
and he had just like got himself genetically modified so that he can breastfeed. <laughs> and so he like pulls off his shirt and like he's got like two medium sized breasts and then like four like on each side, two like nipples on each side as if he's like an animal. <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts feeding like all these children and then he like starts feeding puppies and kittens as he's like giving the speech. <laughs> it's <laughs> fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> they just have the craziest sketches, but I, I guess um when the <laughs> so one of the things they said the number one show at the time was Home Improvement and it was right after Home Improvement and none of them really watched Home Improvement. And so like Stephen Colbert went, so I went to go watch this one episode. And the funniest part of the documentary is they like cut in this commercial and they show it to all of them. And it's this very special episode of Home Improvement right before the fourth episode of the Dana Carvey show. And it's, it's like talking about Tyler, uh, what was his name? Taylor, Tyler Thomas, whatever the fuck his name was. The, the kid who did Lion King and all the Disney stuff. Uh, He's like his his character like thinks he's gonna die, and so it's like this super downer commercial where they're doing it, and then like at the end of it they go and the Dana Carvey show, <laughs> God, I- and like they show all of the people just busting up watching the commercial, and like Stephen Colbert it takes him like a solid minute to regain composure because he's <laughs> laughing so hard. <laughs> And it was they were just like, what was ABC doing? <laughs> like they had no idea what show they got whatsoever. And then they would take an advertiser, like the first one was the Taco Bell Dana Carvey show, is sort of like an old timey throwback. And uh and then they changed sponsors every episode, but they'd like basically just insulted every sponsor like at the <laughs> beginning of the show. So nobody wanted to advertise with them at a certain point. And so they like Dana Carvey winds up putting like a Chinese restaurant that he went to from time to time, <laughs> like as a sponsor, because I couldn't find anybody else to like take them the show. And it was just such a flame out, but like it really inspired a lot of people. They had um Bill Hader was on the dock because he like grew up watching the Dana Carvey show. Like he just fucking loved it. And when they went to do the eighth episode that never aired, they just decided they didn't tell anybody they weren't gonna air the last episode. And so he's like, So I sat there and I, I taped them all on VHS because I figured if I find it this funny, it's not gonna last that long. Yeah. <laughs> and uh they went to do the eighth episode and it was like coach and he's like, and it was horrible. I was just like watching this episode of coach. And of course I watched the whole thing cause it was 1996. So there was nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, we did not have a lot of choices in the nineties. <laughs> like if you were lucky enough to have cable, you had to like sift through those 30 channels and that was all you got. But, you know that it could get worse if you only have one or three channels you know yeah if you're streaming off the air then you had like very limited options you couldn't even stream off the air as you just put it (laughs) (laughs) so i learned an interesting fact today what's that the history of bob and doug mckenzie's great white north interesting before you get into that uh i i've I'm doing trivia once a month at the Montana Club. Like that's a thing that's going to start happening. I I did one night and I did some pop culture questions for it and I had this Bob and Doug McKenzie <laughs> uh question and Eli was like who was doing it with me was like the questions were too hard so I had to dial back some of yours and like his were insanely hard cuz it had to all be beer themed for that night and I was just like why did you dial back my, I was like, the Bob and Doug McKenzie one is not that hard. He's like, dude, I've never even heard of them. I was like, you're in the minority here. And <laughs> you're wrong. Yeah. You're af- wrong. <laughs> after I told him that he said, he's heard references to it like 10 times after I told him that. So he's like, clearly I was the one in the wrong. <laughs> let, let me ask you the question. So, and I'm not going to word it exactly as I worded it in there, but what's the name of their dog in Strange Brew? It's Hosehead. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I think most people would know that. <laughs> or at least most people who uh, who have seen the movie. But anyway, so what did you so, learn about the Great White? Is it the album that you learned about? 
Well, it started off, and I can't remember the the they. It started off on SCTV, right? And um, it was Canadian produced, and in order to broadcast it on CBC in Canada, it had to have some Canadian direct content. Yes. And I can't remember the percentage. It was like 15 or 20%, something like that. Anyway, so in order to like fill up time for the Canadian broadcast, they had, they brought in like, uh, Bob and Doug after, after hours, like after they finished taping. <laughs> and so they literally sat down on the couch and just drank, yeah. drank beer, which you couldn't do on American television at the time. Yeah, I've heard like they would just open a six pack and just start riffing. Yeah, and actually cook back bacon <laughs> <laughs> and just start ripping. Yeah, and so they and so they use that for filler like during uh, breaks and stuff on the CBC, and then when uh, I believe it was NBC bought it to bring to the back to the United States, they. Uh, they weren't getting the uh, the Bob and Doug McKenzie sketches because they were filmed in Canada. I couldn't remember exactly what what the deal was there. That's interesting because they were far and away the most famous thing from that show, or like that's that's the biggest legacy from yeah. that show. Yeah. So they only got like a a handful of the sketches that they did during the run, and so they paid Bob and or. Uh, yeah, Bob Rick Moranis and, and Dave Thomas. Yeah, they paid him, or they were gonna pay him to like when they did the show in America to do that those sketches, and they like just flat out like refused and stopped doing it. Wow, it's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, Rick Moranis can be kind of difficult from what I've heard with like when it comes to producers and and things like that. So I'm not entirely shocked. Um, <clears throat> on the stand-up comedy tip, uh, Netflix just dropped a Patton Oswalt special a couple days ago that I also checked out called Annihilation. Dude, it's great. You gotta check it out. Like, I, it, <clears throat> like, it's, it's funny. It's like your typical Patton Oswalt fair at first, and he's talking about Trump right away, but like, not getting super specific because he mentions like he's like people are always telling comedians like it's gonna be really easy getting Trump right and he's like well I mean there's always stuff but it's really hard because new stuff happens as soon as you know you can write material he's like it'd be like if you saw somebody shit on the sidewalk and you crafted a perfect joke about him making a shit on a sidewalk and they're like but no he just took the shit and made a sombrero make the joke about the shit sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, he also addresses his wife dying. Yeah. And like super sad, you know, when he's first talking about it. And it really does bring the room down. But then he manages to really talk about it, but also find hu like little spots of humor in it too. It's just masterfully done. Like if you want to know how to be a stand-up, like check out this special. Like it is a fucking textbook on how to, how to just fucking slay as a comedian. Like he really fucking killed it. But... Um, so check out that Netflix special, but let's see, uh, moving on. So this is something that's fucking weird and, uh, I could describe this, but I'm just going to play the commercial for it and then we'll talk about it. Friday, October 27th for the first time ever. His hits will bring Halloween to life. Just follow the music. Join the voices of Christine Baranski, Alan Cumming, Brad Garrett, Georgie. Lucas Dill, Lucy Liu, and Jim Parsons. Fun! Don't miss the world premiere event. Wow. Michael Jackson's Halloween, CBS Friday, October 27th. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Sounds like an hour of ABC I will not be watching is what it sounded like. Or CBS, it's, that was CBS. CBS. What the fuck was that, dude? I I can't even like there was no part of that that was like hey I want to watch that it's like the voice of Brad Garrett <laughs> and Jim Parsons from yeah, uh Big Bang Theory Big Bang Theory and Lucy Liu like what is going on 
But more importantly, it's like it's a it's based around the music of Michael Jackson, which like Michael Jackson and kids. Yeah, we associate Michael Jackson with kids, but not that way. Not no, that's that not you, a good thing. I know that they're trying to play like basically they got the rights to the songs and I think they're like, "Hey, we could do we could do stuff with this. What could we do?" I know. Uh, Halloween special. Dude, it's not been that long. We're like we're just going to watch that and be like, "Yeah, that it's all good." Like, you know that's what? weird and it's got michael jackson his voice is like playing a some kind of dancer with like a pumpkin head too oh god yeah you know there was a really good halloween special with michael jackson it's called thriller <laughs> yeah, i know <laughs> just fucking play thriller <laughs> Play Thriller in black and white or something. Like, what are you doing, CBS? Uh, it's just such a crazy idea. What a shit show. <laughs> and I have a rule that I don't watch anything with Jim Parsons anyway, so. Except just, for the Muppets. Oh, was he on the Muppets? Yeah, he sang uh, the Muppet, Muppet or a Man. He's. He sang that? Him and Jason Siegel. He was the little guy? Uh, yeah, he was, I think he played Walter. Yeah. And then he played like himself like in the mirror. Oh. Damn, I don't think I knew who he was at the time. <laughs> I didn't I didn't know. Just blew no, that shit out of the no, water. No, I can't watch the Muppets anymore. <laughs> Yeah, just a fucking weird idea. I think they just panicked because NBC came up with the David S. Pumpkin special, and they're like, what do we got? <laughs> Michael Jackson? Uh, all right, print it, print it. It'll be a good idea. Let's, I don't know. Let's, 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 let's see. Brad Garrett? Yeah, yeah, get that guy. Everybody knows who that guy is. <laughs> Lucy Lou, she ain't doing shit. Let's get her on. <laughs> so fucking weird. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh another little anecdote i or quick thing i've learned today the uh original pitch for talladega nights uh-huh it was one line and it was pitched as this will ferrell is a nascar driver <laughs> i mean it makes sense. end of sentence that was the entire pitch <laughs> Dude, that's all you need for that movie. That's really all you need. That explained everything. <laughs> if you can't laugh just picturing that, you know. I I saw the poster for it and I was in. Like I, I remember walking out of the theater and seeing the giant poster with him and uh John C. Riley next to NASCAR and I was like, Yep, I'm in. <laughs> I don't even like NASCAR and I know this is something I wanna be a part of. I'm not gonna stop till I give it up. <laughs> Going back to CBS. Uh, have you been checking out Star Trek Discovery at all? No. It has become a really good Star Trek show. Like, um, So that pilot sort of started out unusually. but it's And it was more centered on the, the number one character. Um, like, it really... It really has become a Star Trek show. Like they have episodes individually where there's like a story with each episode. And even though it's like her arc, they're starting to slowly bring in other people a- into the arc. And I don't know how well it works at the timeline of the other shows, but like it's fucking fun, dude. It really works. And it's, I really like watching the Klingons sort of getting their houses in order, like Game of Thrones style, <laughs> but with the Klingon bent, you know? I just really enjoy it, and I guess I got renewed for another season. Yeah, I did so. see that. But uh, I, I highly recommend it, dude. That show is so fucking watchable. Like, every week I watch it, and I just want more. So, yeah. When you get a chance, you really got to check it out. Yeah, I'm going to have to figure out a way to get that. Yeah, I think they're five episodes in. So I think they're doing two more and then they're taking a break and then they got six more coming after that. So yeah, I think I'll uh probably end up waiting until I take the break and then find a like, way to watch a six six episode run of that. Yeah, if you do, we'll start talking about it on the show cuz it's 
it's a good it's a good week to week show for sure. Uh, they have Star Trekian elements to it that uh, it's it's if you like Star Trek, you're gonna love it. Like it's it's really fucking solid. But I just wanted to step in because I haven't said anything about it for a couple of weeks. Um, some other crazy news out of right field. So Stephen S. DeKnight, who's directing Pacific Rim Uprising, uh, because Guillermo del Toro decided to to go on as executive producer for it. Probably because they had to do less of a budget. <laughs> <laughs> and as we've discovered, like he doesn't like going down in budgets for sequels. So, uh, But he said that Universal ex- executives have been in discussion about crossing over King Kong and Godzilla because it's yes. all Universal. This fucking works, dude. Like that's, I remember like watching that and thinking like, man, it'd be cool if they could do Godzilla. Like it sounded like they might be able to do it. He said like, presuming that this movie does well enough, there would be a third one. And then if the third, like after the third one, they would start crossing over if that's what they wind up doing. So yeah, do it. It's a fucking slam dunk. It works. Like it's exactly what this is about. And I really liked the first Pacific Rim. Yeah, me too. And it's like, and they're fighting kaiju monsters. Like, we all know the most famous kaiju monster is Godzilla. And like, King Kong just totally works with that too. So, yeah. It's fucking, and they're they're already crossing over King Kong and Godzilla. Like, I think right now they're making King Kong versus Godzilla or vice versa. I don't remember exactly what they're calling it, but. Depends what what country you're in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like the original one. Uh. But yeah, this is this just fucking makes sense to me. Giant robots fighting King Kong and Godzilla. Fuck yes. yeah, dude. Why not have a three-way fight? Oh, that's what they need to do. Have a scene where they're all fighting for different reasons. King Kong's pissed because like Godzilla trampled the girl that he wants and Godzilla's trying to protect the city from King Kong and the robots just like the fuck is wrong with you two and trying to <laughs> punch him out, you know. <laughs> yeah. This is a movie. This, if you incorporate time travel, give me a call, Universal. <laughs> I'll help you out. I know you have interdimensional travel, so you're not that far off. Uh, let's see. What else? Okay. James Mangold is working on an X-23 script. Apparently, because Wonder Woman did so well, Fox is actually um, having him develop a script now. So he was the one that directed Logan and the Wolverine. So, um Yeah. It's all right. That fucking works for me. I'm in. Like, if you're having the same guy do it, sure. Like, he did two of the better X Men movies. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't have a whole lot to say about that one. <laughs> uh, and then, like, the last piece of news per se I have. So, this is a lot of reading, but just we'll, we'll break this down piece by piece here. So Star Wars Newsnet used Google Translate uh, to translate a Japanese Star Wars website which had these descriptions of the characters for The Last Jedi. So basically the reason why I'm reading them is that some of these are going to enlighten us on plots that are not out on the um, the commercials just yet. So... For Ray, Ray, now aware of the awakening power of the Force, travels to the hidden world of Achtu. I, I said that like a Klingon. Achtu, 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 Achtung, baby. <laughs> <laughs> she is looking for Luke Skywalker, who is the last Jedi Master in the galaxy and the last hope for the Resistance. Ray was hoping to find a legendary hero. She instead found a man who disagrees with her expectations. I pretty much got that, right? Yeah. 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 I think that's in the trailer. Finn. Finn, a former operator of the First Order, previously dedicated himself Janitor. to the- <laughs> Janitor. <laughs> previously dedicated himself to the fight of uh or the cause of fighting for the resistance continues the fight. That's a lot of fighting in one one sentence. Now he's at a crossroads over his role in the war. Yeah, I've heard as much, and it looks like he might be joining the Empire, but maybe he's undercover, maybe it's a flashback, like maybe it's just the way it's framed and it's not at all. I don't know. We, we better not have Finn join the, the First I don't Order, think though. 
I don't think he ends up joining. I think he ends up when, with serious confrontation for leaving the Vampire. The First Order? The First Order. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Same deal. Same same shit, different name. <laughs> different Sith Lord, same shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not a Sith Lord anymore. Now it's a Knight of Ren, I guess. <laughs> well, isn't Snoke a Sith Lord? No, I think he's one of the Knights of Ren. I don't know. It's complicated. We, I guess we'll find out in the next movie. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to see Finn be betray anybody. That would be really shitty. I uh, you know, and I just I don't see it in his character, though. Yeah. I mean, I can see him, like, really having, like, it would be interesting seeing, like, the repercussions coming back to haunt him for leaving the first order well and that's definitely happening right so i mean that is interesting to see but him just going back to the first order is i just don't see it well he's definitely fighting somebody right like to have the well he's fighting phantasma in the new trailer yeah or yeah not phantasma (laughs) or is it Ca- uh, Captain Phasma. Phasma. Yeah. <laughs> Add another T. You're kind of you're kind of like doing a play off of Phantasm. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Poe, now that the conflict between the First Order and the Resistance has escalated into total war, man, wasn't it always total war? It is Star Wars. Anyway. Star Wars. Nothing talking about Star Wars. Wars. Poe is a shining. Okay, this is their word. Poe is a shining as a leader of a courageous flying battalion. (laughs) But while he is brave and a skilled pilot, both the First Order and the Resistance alike are starting to fear his dedication to the war effort. So if the Resistance is worried about it too, Poe could be the one who's like taking things too far, you think? I don't know. Yeah. And this is... It's really hard to get a read on where they're going with Poe's character. Because he was in it so little. Yeah, and you know, Poe is one of those characters in Force Awakens. We didn't get a lot of character development out of him. Yeah, well, he just wasn't on screen very much. Right. Yeah, um, he was supposed to die, and then Abrams liked him so much, he wound up keeping him for the movie. Like, having him not die. So, he was supposed to be the really cool character that you like, and then he dies. Yeah, we already got that with Solo, so. (laughs) Yeah, I think that might have been it, too. When they realize they're going to take out Han, like, why take out Poe as well? Uh, Something interesting in the the Force Awakens, like, the the prequel book that they wrote with, like, three stories, Poe's story... So they explain what the resistance is because the new Republic, like the resistance is like the people who don't trust the first order because they're hammering out all sorts of treaties with the first order with the, with the new Republic. And so the resistance believes that they need to fight them harder. So they're, they're working in secret. So Leia is basically doing things behind the scene and leading the resistance. So I wonder if they're referring to the fact that like, the, the sort of that aspect of the resistance but who knows how much of the the new republic is even left after they blew up that star system so god this is getting nerdy <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh bb8 a cute ball-shaped droid faithful to poe dameron who provided data key to finding luke skywalker <laughs> we knew that uh kylo ren Humiliated by his defeat at Ray's hand, Kylo Ren redoubles his efforts to crush the Resistance. However, although his powers in the dark side continue to increase, it is still not enough to impress his shadowy mentor, mentor, First Order Supreme Leader Snoke. So yeah, we pretty much knew all that, right? Yeah. Uh, Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. After his attempt to rebuild the Jedi Order was ruined, Luke Skywalker disappeared from the galaxy in search of answers, leading him to the planet Akatu, baby. Though he seems 
intent to live out a modest lifestyle away from the war. The resistance needs the hero who defeated the Darth Vader to stand a chance against the First Order. The Darth Vader. I like that. Sounds like an old man writing it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like naming a band. (laughs) The Darth Vaders. General Leia Organa. Leia Organa, whose son betrayed her and fell to the dark side, is leading the struggling resistance fleet. General Leia takes advantage of her decades of experience in order to halt the First Order's advances. Well, duh. Uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. Okay, I love love this sentence. Snoke, the shadowy leader of the First Order, finally emerges from the shadows to lead the First Order to victory after the destruction of Starkiller Base. Like, duh, but that's a lot of use of shadow. That's, (laughs) That's too much use of shadow in that sentence. Uh, General... Armadage Hux. Although Starkiller Base has been destroyed, the New Republic's leadership was eradicated by the super weapons only firing at Hux's command. From the bridge of the finalizer, Hux issues commands to pursue the resistance. So, duh, but at least we know, like, the bridge, I don't know, the ship that he's on is called the finalizer. The finalizer? What a terrible name. That sounds like a, a 90s court drama starring Robert Downey Jr., like when it's he's still like, battling like alcohol. I think it's like a TBS offshoot of the Equalizer. Yeah. <laughs> like it seems like it should have the finalizer Chicago and the finalizer New York, right? <laughs> like, the finalizer special victims unit. Did you ever watch the uh, Denzel Washington remake of that show, The Equalizer? Oh, I thought you were going to say The Finalizer. No, I didn't. We were just talking about uh, Denzel Washington the other day. Because we were like, Eli was saying, I only like, and he listed like one Denzel Washington movie. And then at the same time, I mentioned Fallen, which he said it and Fallen at the same time. And then we remembered Malcolm X. And like, we <laughs> we were both like, yeah, he's, he's a great actor, but not that many great movies. And then we wound up rattling off like seven great movies. <laughs> and so we just immediately like unproved our point. <laughs> It's just that, like, he's had a a slew of, like, movies that you just look at the commercial and you're like, nah, <laughs> like, lately. So, you kind of forget he well, really had a good he was up run. for an Academy Award last year. Yeah. And he's up for an Academy Award for Flight, but I don't want to watch that either, you know. Yeah, the last one he was in looked way more interesting than Flight. Uh, Captain Phasma. <clears throat> Captain Phasma, known for her characteristic metallic armor... <laughs> <laughs> they pretty much nailed it right there. <laughs> uh, escaped from the Starkiller base shortly before it was destroyed. Taking command of the Stormtrooper Corps, Phasma is determined to destroy the Resistance and settle a private grudge. So a lot of destroying with Captain Phasma. Did anybody like get killed on Starkiller base? Nobody important, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Chewbacca. Well, okay, I take that back. Han Solo got killed at Starkiller Base, right? But not as a result of it exploding. Maybe it should be Solo Killer Base. (laughs) I see what you did there. That was a weird echo. All right, uh, Chewbacca, Millennium Falcon co-pilot Chewbacca, a faithful navigator. Solo pilot, thank you very much. Is now accompanying Ray on her quest to find Luke Skywalker. Yeah, we know. Was that too soon? <laughs> R2-D2. A droid with various abilities, which I'm just going to add, including like shooting flames out at people and flying around, but only when it suits one prequel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ranging from maneuvering of spacecraft to decryption, R2-D2 has slept ever since Luke parted ways with the droid, but the astromech was able to reactivate and lead the resistance to Luke's hiding place. A lot of this is just recapping Force Awakens. Right? We're not really gaining anything. We gained a little bit, but just a little bit. Uh, C-3PO, the ever-worrying protocol droid. C-3PO is more anxious than ever. That's a lot of anxiety, <laughs> dude. Dude, he was already at 11 in anxiety. He was like standing in a puddle in Rogue One. That was his like, <laughs> that was his cameo. So that was the last time we saw 
We saw C-3PO. Did you ever, uh, have you played the Force Awakens, uh, Lego Force Awakens? No, no. They have a mission where it's based on uh, C-3PO before Force Awakens to rescue Admiral Akbar. Like, it's Poe Dameron and C-3PO rescuing. Oh, that's kind of cool. And it still doesn't explain the red arm. I know the red arm. I know the story. I read the story. It's a comic book. You want to know? Sure. Uh, he's on a planet with a bunch of other droids, and I don't remember exactly what's going on, but I think they cross the First Order at some point. And there's like an Imperial droid and something else. And he just winds up like his arm gets destroyed, and so they wind up fitting him with another arm. Like, it's not anything super special, but like, you you know what it is, like realistically, why they have the red arm? Because it was an opportunity to, like, sell new C-3PO toys. Yeah. (laughs) Because now you get the ones with the red arm. Uh, Anyway. um, So C-3PO is more anxious than ever with the threat of the First Order on the horizon, but he continues to serve General Leia Organa faithfully. So not too much C-3PO, I'm going to (laughs) guess. Okay, this is one that's actually got some things behind it. Because what do you know about Maz Kanata in this movie? I know she's got a bigger part than she did in the first one. That's about it. So Maz Kanata. After Maz lost her castle, she has been forced to take a more active role and take advantage of her ties to the criminal underworld. She will provide crucial assistance to the resistance in their fight against First Order. That's right. Just against First Order. (laughs) Making use of every connection along the way. So, so she's going to be like tied in with the criminal underground, it sounds like. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of digging that. Yeah. And she always kind of had that like a rogue layer. Well, I mean, obviously it was a rogue layer, her castle. Yeah. Cause they had, it's the rogue one. <laughs> it's the rogue one. <laughs> in there, act on baby. All right. <laughs> um, I just was that too out. jarring? <laughs> She's the one that had the connections to the rogues. Well, she had, um, it was kind of one of those things that always kind of bothered me about that scene was because there was people with deep ties to both the resistance and uh, the first order. Yeah, because it seemed like there was a lot of smugglers and stuff working there. So, of course, they're working from both sides, right? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that how they wind up like? Because they had the scene where BB-8 or like the whole crew is going through the through the main drinking area. And like you see people on both sides like calling in like, hey, we found that droid you're looking for. Yeah. Well, that one droid calls it in who has for a mouth. He has a uh, microphone piece that's like the old. 20s 30s style microphone that with a little shiny little like wire mesh on it (laughs) like i saw that i was just like i want one of those microphones but i want it to actually sound good (laughs) which they actually make those but you know i actually have one over there that my dad gave me but i tried it and it's not the best microphone so it's more for looks (laughs) yeah it looks impressive but It, it looks super cool but um, it's, yeah, because it's got like all the little springs that hangs off of it. Yeah, stuff. yeah. But I'll probably wind up like using it for like a prop in a video at some point or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll get some use out of it at some point. So. You gonna remake some Nine Inch Nails videos? <laughs> Put a nipple on the end of it. That video, man. Do you remember? Do you remember the feeling you got when you suddenly realized that the scene missing in the MTV video we saw over and over again actually had scenes missing, but then regretfully seeing what the scenes were that were missing. Yeah, I remember watching like the unedited version. I'm like, oh, that's it. Uh, that, there's that's n- there's nudity, but it's not attractive nudity. <laughs> yeah, it's like a. For those of you that don't know, it's like a scientific diagram of a woman's vagina yeah but that's one of the things yeah. yeah um 
yeah, do you remember the broken video? It's sort of the that that VHS compilation we have, which I now have on D on DVD. Um it's like most of the songs on there are on there, but there's this really fucked up version I gave up that's like this guy tied to a chair and they're fucking like throwing gasoline on him and all this shit and then he winds up cutting off his dick. Then they shove it in his mouth and light him on fire. <laughs> like it's fucked up. And I think Trent Reznor thought that it went over too far. And so they recut the video so that it was like Marilyn Manson playing bass and they just play it in like Trent Reznor's studio, like in his, in the Le Pig. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Like when they reshot that and just had that like video them playing music, I really enjoy that video. Me too. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. Like it's the simplicity works. Another one that's ex- almost the same story was a uh, March of the Pigs, which was one of the most famous videos Nine Inch Nails did. Like that closer was the big hit off of Nine Inch Nails. Like I want to fuck you like an animal. That song, but uh, March of the Pigs was like the first video I believe to come out, and like that was that was like a big hit. And it's Trent Reznor singing in front of this like white backdrop that's lit super bright and they're just like Yeah, it's just like music. a sheet. Yeah. And they're just playing music and he does a it doesn't it make you feel better and then like the microphone's like poof, like cuz he drops it on the ground and then like the roadie like hands it to him and then he starts screaming again and like doing the song and then he does it doesn't it make you feel better the pigs have one tonight. And like finish it all sleep soundly, and everything is all right. (laughs) Yeah, like hits the ground again. But that was they did a bunch of special effects and had flying pigs and all this stuff in the video. And Trent Reznor looked at it and he's just like, it's too much. And so they just like they had no budget left, so they just lit up that sheet and just like played in front of it. And it's a great video. Like it's my favorite Nine Inch Nails video. And it's just fucking simple. It's just pure simplicity in that video. So I also really like the perfect drug video, but it's super dated now. Like it's so nice. I just watched that the other day. <clears throat> well, we, uh, I don't know. We we're the whole family was sitting around watching YouTube videos and my wife got on like a Marilyn Manson nine inch nails kick. Okay. So we like as a family we're watching Nails. <laughs> it's so and funny because I had I got like I got those VHS tapes. Um or I had those VHS tapes all the time for closure, like the, the nine inch nails videos. And then I, I don't really use VCRs anymore ever. I don't even have a VCR anymore. Me neither. I still own those VHS. I still own the tapes. They're the only tapes I hung on to. But um uh chris daly for one of my birthdays like got me the dvd from like europe of that closure and it has extra stuff on it that wasn't on the vhs and so i was super excited i realized like i can't fucking watch this around the kids and then i tried to watch it one night but i realized like there's no way that alex can sit down and watch a nine inch nails video in the middle of the night because i'm gonna start singing the songs with them really loud like i can't (laughs) not do that and so I haven't really been able to dive into that DVD for years now because, like, I never think about it when they're out of the house. So I uh, guess I could watch it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> they're at school. But, yeah, it's it's tough to watch Nine Inch Nails with little kids around the house. Yeah. It's, it's just a tough thing to do. Yeah, we were watching old, uh, mostly Marilyn Manson videos. And it's it's interesting watching them from 2017 eyes mm-hmm. because they seem so sublime. They seemed really cutting edge in 1997. But it's, I was just going to ask, does it come off as like that that edgy anymore? No, it seems like really fairly mainstream now. Unless you put it against like Katy Perry or something. <laughs> yeah, but I mean like, Because my wife watches all those, like, uh, drag queen shows and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's about the same level. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember having a Marilyn Manson video for a while and like watching that a lot. And like, it's so funny because you can go back to like some stuff you listen to and you can identify exactly why you listen to it. Like, I look at Marilyn Manson, I'm like, uh, it pissed off my stepmom. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I listen to Marilyn Manson. She was legitimately worried about Marilyn Manson. Like she really thought he might be like the coming of the Antichrist or something. And I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And so I started like buying albums and listening to him more and more. <laughs> it helped that he was produced by by Trent Reznor for some of it. Like his biggest hit, his best song is Beautiful People, and that was written by Trent Reznor. Like it's a Trent Reznor song that he gave to Marilyn Manson. Yeah. So, the Dope Show is not that great of an album. Yeah, it's it's really dated. Yeah, I remember when he went to play MTV. They did the Music Awards the year before that album came out. It just like shocked everybody, and everybody's talking about him. And then they brought him back the next year to do the Dope Show. And I remember he's doing his whole thing with this weird, like androgynous, like naked body, and just like all of this weird stuff. And then it was just like everybody was into it, so it wasn't shocking. <laughs> like in one year, he had just become irrelevant because like everybody was onto it, and then it wasn't shocking anymore. Yeah, and it's weird, like looking it back and through like the lens of time, and it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this being really edgy, but it's just, well, it was, but it's just not anymore. Yeah, yeah, I just. And I I think back, like, I have some Marilyn Manson albums, and I look at them, I'm like, I'm never going to play that again. Like, I, I have no urge to play any Marilyn Manson song, other than kind of the cover of that Willy Wonka song a little bit, <laughs> because I like it. Like, I like the, the Marilyn Manson, or the, um, the Willy Wonka song already, because it's so out of place in that movie. It's just like, <laughs> there's no earthly way of knowing. Which direction we are going? Is the Grizzly Reaper sowing? You know, it, like the way Marilyn Manson did it was fun, but it was even goofy then. And then it cut into like that crazy country song. Do you remember God, this? Remember. It was like, white trash, get down on your oh, knees. Oh, yeah. Time for cake inside of me. <laughs> It's just another version of like one of the songs that was on. Yeah. Yeah. Marilyn Manson, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I look at some of those and cuz I remember like uh you me and uh Greg were listening to that a lot when we were younger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Smoking a lot of weed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also definitely drinking a lot of beer. Yeah. Drinking a lot of remember, shitty beer uh, out of cans. <laughs> I remember, uh, and I can't remember which song it was, like, Greg was really into. Because he had, like, the 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 mannerisms from the video down completely. <laughs> and I was, like, and that was part of what we were, like, when we were watching all those videos trying to find, like, what the fuck video was that? And I can't, didn't, I never did come up with it. Was it Dope Show? No, it was earlier. It was before the Dope Show. It was either off Antichrist Superstar or uh, Smells Like Children. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> this is a good place to. to I got out. one last thing oh, I was right. going to segue into. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the latest episode of Walking Dead. So they had a sequence in there because they were alluding to the uh, old man Rick timeline. What do you mean? Like his like grows to an old man living with Michonne. Uh, his uh, son's grown up. His oh, did they do a, a a time forward thing in the show? I I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't watch it. Come on. <laughs> I don't either. Do you remember what, like, the few reviews we got? Like a bunch of them mentioned Walking Dead, and then we used to recap it every week, and it's just like <laughs> we haven't watched it for years. God, that show. I I started at, like I remember like trying to like 
force myself to watch it. And then I'm like, if I'm forcing myself to watch it, I don't need to be watching. Yeah, that's where I fell along too. And it was, I was only watching it most of the last season because my wife was still watching it. And I keep telling her, go and watch it without me. Like, I'm done. Go and watch it without me. And she like wants to watch it, but she won't watch it. So I w- I'm wondering how much she really <laughs> wanted to watch it in the first place now, you know? Well, at the end of this dream sequence they have, uh, Rick wakes up to a song. Okay. Now, and it's like an actual song. Is it I Got You, Babe? No. Okay. I don't know. It's Weird Al, Another One Rides the Bus. What? (laughs) Why? (laughs) And to be honest, I've actually woken up to that song many times, but like my parents listened to that a lot when I was young. (laughs) I listened to it a lot when I was young, too. (laughs) That was Weird Al's first hit. So, um, Entertainment Weekly asked uh, Scott Gimple, the showrunner, why they use that particular song. And he said, story-wise, it had to be a song that I wanted Judith to be into. But I didn't want her to be into something necessarily typical. I wanted to have it be distinctive. I will say there's a toddler in my life sort of obsessed with that song. So that might have played into it a little bit. I try to check myself into those moments where I'm doing that for friends or whatever, but I put put it in script and was sitting there thinking about it. One of the things I love about Weird Al is there's no worry about cool, and cool is the worst thing ever. Cool has infected my beloved comics and science fiction and fantasy, and it breaks my heart. And I wanted to make sure we did not start out cool. Also, I want it to be rather jarring. I mean, as jarring as we're seeing. Funny enough, the more I thought about it, seeing Rick with his giant beard and a limp in the other universe in Alexandria, another one rides the bus on The Walking Dead. It's slightly more jarring than that. So to me, it was like, well, that wins. (laughs) That's exactly right. Initially, I thought it was my own bias and I shouldn't do this. And I was like, wait, no, it isn't cool. And the honest going would be like, what the hell is this? I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what I want. This is perfect. I was so thrilled. <laughs> so apparently, um, shifting gears a little bit. So in its times, or for right now, I don't think it beat Game of Thrones, but it's the number one show with adults. But they said it was the lowest rated Walking Dead in five years. I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's like the popularity has definitely been wanting on that show, but... Uh, it's still it's still a, a unqualified hit. So stop it, guys. Who's <sighs> hanging on at this point? For real, I don't think I know anybody who's still watching that show. I could be wrong, but there's a few people I've seen on Facebook are still hanging on to that show. But I haven't been one of them. And I mean, I I watched the first two. Or th- three episodes last season and i was like yeah i'm done with this show yeah i've been meaning to pick up the comic again but i'm so soured on the show it makes me not want to read the comics now (laughs) (laughs) which is weird because the shitty worldview in the show is not as bad in the comics like they definitely find humanity all the time in the comics but they rarely find it in the show anymore I shouldn't say that. I haven't watched for a couple of years, but they had just stopped. Like, even when it was so obvious that somebody was a good person, it was just like Rick would be like, my people, you know, Carl, Carl, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go out on that. Take it easy. Respect that outro. Carl, respect that outro, Carl. Put them on your laptop. Put them on your phone. Put them in your ears. Not safe for network. With the not safe for network, the entertainment's ringing through your brain. Collect them all or trade them with your friends. Not safe for network.
real roulette. Maybe you're a film student. I'm picturing you with a beret. We had a good life. Well, Strop, it's a bit of the gift and the curse. That's debatable. It'd be nice if they showed a little accountability. The Alien Movie Project. It's just another clear-cut case of American exceptionalism. Montucky Skies. I'm spoiling the shit out of this in three, two, one. Bigs on film. We're watching this on Netflix because I'm three beers in and lost the Blu-ray. Listen to all the archives in a row and they form a mega podcast so long that your significant other will be drawing up divorce papers. Not safe for network.